0: Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, if you would, to the last message, uh, the Lord willing, on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been on, in the Sermon on the Mount for a number of months now. Uh, today's the 24th message in the Sermon on the Mount. Of course, that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And uh, today's story is the closing uh, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and I've entitled it what kind of builder are you I want you to notice the PowerPoint slide with me this morning if you would please before I begin I told you several weeks ago about Dr. Steve Patterson in our church he's a professor over at UNCC and they've had a world-renowned archaeologist lecturing over there and uh, uh, an archaeologist from Israel And he invited uh, Dr. Patterson and Marcia to go with him uh, this summer to be on a dig in Jerusalem. So that's their team on a dig. And I thought, how appropriate all those big, big rocks you see them rummaging through. And uh, when you think about today's scripture passage, when I received that uh, photograph yesterday, I thought that'd be a perfect PowerPoint background for the message this morning. But uh, Steve is in white with a hat, so I'm not sure you can see him well. He's in the top right corner, and uh, he is right beside the guy in the bluish-green shirt that is standing up. I don't know if you can see Steve. He's right over top of the V in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He's right over that second V. That's Dr. Patterson. He'll not only be working at that dig site, but they're also asking Steve to help them over in Bethlehem at the Church of the Nativity. Uh, You may have read in the news about the Church of the Nativity being restored, a major restoration project. And in the Armenian uh, corner uh, of the Church of the Nativity, there's some huge columns And they have discovered that those columns are sitting on a foundation of rubble. And they want to know how they can rebuild that quarter of the Church of the Nativity without uh, disturbing uh, or compromising the integrity of those columns. And so Steve is there to help them figure that out as well. So just a point of interest, I thought you'd like to see one of our own over in Israel Digging. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? Uh, In verse 24, Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, dads, the message this morning is for you. But, folks, there's an application for all of us. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Lord, as I pray, oftentimes I can speak to ears, but it takes your spirit to speak to hearts. God, we would ask that you would do that for us today. And that we would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. Lord, I pray that you'd help every dad here today. Be like the wise builder. Who builds his life upon you and your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This section of Matthew chapter 7 is a section of great contrast and we began looking at those contrasts last week. There are four different images that Jesus gives to point out that not everybody is the same and not everybody is walking the same path. We, we started out by seeing last week that there are two gates. There's the wide gate and there is the narrow gate. The wide gate leads to a wide road that leads to destruction. If you go through that gate and you travel that road, there's going to be lots and lots of company that you're going to have. But you don't want to go that way because it leads to destruction. Jesus says, choose the narrow gate and the narrow road that leads to life eternal and then after talking about the two gates, he goes on to mention two trees. There is a tree that bears bad fruit. Now, it bears bad fruit because it's a bad tree. And then there's a good tree that bears good fruit. And again, it's a good tree, or it bears good fruit, I should say, because it is a good tree. The fruit of one's life is an indicator of one's spiritual condition. Somebody who's genuinely born again will have a life that bears good fruit. And then there's two guests seeking entry. One who says, Lord, Lord, with his lips, but he does not know the Lord and he's never done the Lord's will. You know, it's an oxymoron to call one Lord when you've never followed him as Lord. Then there's the other who gains entry and hears well done because he not only professes knowledge of the Lord but has actually lived a life of surrender to the Lord. His life shows that his profession of faith is real. This morning we see the case of two builders. Both are in the classroom of the Lord. Both hear the master's words. We could imagine them being in the same church and maybe even in the same Sunday school class. You see as Dr. John R.W. Stott comments, Jesus is not simply contrasting believers from unbelievers. That would be the case if Jesus were contrasting those who heard the word from those who do not. But Jesus points out that both builders hear the word. And so as Stott writes, we've got to assume that Jesus is also giving a warning to those who are within the church. Among those who hear the word, there are true believers and there are false believers. It's just as Jesus previously pointed out in verses 21, 22, and 23. In the case of those who profess him but don't really know him. Both hear the same sermon. Both have a copy of God's word in their hands. Their life on the outside may look very much the same. One builder hears but then departs to go and do whatever it is that he wants to do in his life anyway. The other builder hears but hearing is not enough for him. He puts into practice what he has heard. His life survives the judgment of the Lord. Whereas the other careless builder suffers the loss of everything on the great judgment day of the Lord that is coming. Now folks, this morning let's look more at this image of the two builders. And what we're going to see today is that a life built upon Jesus Christ and His Word is a life that is built on the proper foundation and is therefore prepared for anything that comes along. First thing I want you to notice with me this morning is the fact that everyone is a builder. Everyone is a builder. Jesus said there in verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Look at verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now the two characters in this parable sum up all of humanity. When people stand before the Lord in that day, there's not going to be three groups. There's going to be two groups. The sheep are going to be on his right and the goats will be on his left. There's not going to be any middle ground or middle category. You're either a sheep or goat. The Lord divides all of humanity into these two groups. Those who are prepared for life and eternity and those who are not. Now folks, I want you to notice that both men in the parable are builders. The houses houses in the story are metaphors for life. There are some things in life that you and I cannot control and this is one of them. Everybody is a builder. We could say that to live is to build. Your life is like a house under construction. Every day that you live is like a new brick that is being put in place. Every action you take, every word you speak, every thought that you have is all a part of this building process. Now, folks, when we think of life like that, it forces us to realize how important our decisions are. Amen? We're building characters. We're building habits. We're building lifestyles. We're building eternities. If we're building with wood, hay, and stubble, our house one day is going to collapse when we stand before the Lord and we hear words of judgment. Let me give you a financial analogy. Now this is not a story about finances, but oftentimes in the Bible finances are used to point out other spiritual uh, lessons. Here's a young couple, and let's say they get married and they think that all of a sudden they're supposed to have a lateral move. You know what I'm talking about. They think that from day one of their marriage they're supposed to start living just like they've been living in mom and dad's house. Mom and dad have been building wealth 30, 40, 50 years. But they think they're supposed to get married and live just like they've grown accustomed to living. And so they take out this card and that card and this second mortgage and this line of credit. and And they take out so many loans. They get to the point they might not even can make the minimum payments. And they wake up one day after loads of financial stress in their marriage. And they're asking themselves how in the world... Did we get in this position in life? Well, they got in that position because of the decisions they were making. It's the bricks that they've been laying. Folks, we're all builders. And as the Bible points out, one day each of us will have to stand before the Lord and give an account of what we've built. You can't control the fact that You're a builder but let's Move on to the second principle Because Jesus talks about something That you and I can have some Control over and secondly what I want you to see is not all builders Are the same Look again at verses 24 and 26 He says everyone then who Hears these words of mine and does Them will be like a wise Man who built his house on the rock And the verse 26 says Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Regardless of how we might like to pigeonhole all of humanity into the same spot, we can't do that. Jesus doesn't do that. He points out that while all of us are builders, all builders are not the same. Look at the way he breaks it down. First of all, there is the wise builder. He builds his house upon the rock. Now notice who Jesus says this man is. He's the man who hears the words of Christ and it changes his life. He shapes his life upon what Christ has said. Here's a man living under the lordship of Christ. In Matthew 5, 20, Jesus said that our righteousness has got to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. In other words, we need more than religion. We need a relationship with God that produces life change. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, a man must be born again if he is going to see the kingdom of heaven. I want to ask you this morning, have you been born again? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I've told you stories a dozen times. I think they bear repeating because I saw the guy yesterday again at a wedding. I did a wedding over in Charlotte near near Mountain Island Lake, and and there was one of our Southern Baptist evangelists and a former pastor who was in attendance, and we were talking afterwards. His name is Max Pendleton, and I said, Max. You told me two stories 25 years ago that I bet I've told a hundred times. And he said, what stories are those? I said, do you remember telling me the story when you pastored Catawba Heights Baptist over in Belmont? You walked up one evening to a little mill house over there in Belmont. And as you were walking up to the door, the screen door was closed. The other door was open. There was just a screen door. And this great old big burly guy looked like he should be riding in Hell's Angels. And he came to the door cussing you for everything you're worth Said I don't know who you are and why you're here But you better get off my porch And Max you said you turned around and you took off your loafers And he had some columns there by the front steps And you smacked each one of your loafers on that column And you put them back on you walked down the steps And that man said Mister what in the world are you doing? And He turned around and looked at that man. He said, the Bible tells me that when, we, when a servant of the Lord goes to tell the word of God, if somebody won't hear what he has to say, you're to, you're to shake the dust off of your feet. And that very dust one day will, will rise up with you in the judgment and it'll be a testimony against you. He said, sir, that dust off of my shoes is going to rise up and be a testimony against you one day. And Max said he turned and he walked off and he got in his car and he left He told me last night he said Scott it was a few nights later I already had my pajamas on and my wife and I had already retired for the evening We'd gone to bed and I was laying there on my pillar And I was about pillar, pillow And I was And I was about to go to sleep and he said all of a sudden it was late at night and my phone rang. And I picked up the phone and I said, hello? And the voice on the other end of the line said, is this Max Pendleton? And he said, yes sir it is. Who's asking? He said, I've been chasing you down trying to find out who you were. You came to my house the other night and you slapped your shoes on my front porch and told me about the dust. Do you remember that? Max said, how could I forget? He said, sir, I can't get that off my mind. I need to be saved i got to talk to you tonight. Can you come over here tonight? Max told me, he said, I didn't even take my pajamas off. I put on my house coat and my slippers I got in my car. He said, Scott, it's a good thing uh, a highway patrolman didn't pull me over. They thought I was a crazy man. He said he led him to the Lord that night. And I said, Max, there's another story you told. You told about going to Kenya, Africa, with a group of, of Baptists from South Carolina. He said, oh, yeah, I remember. I said, and there was a little man. You were tired. You had to walk so many different places in Kenya. And you were talking about you were so tired. And you looked over and saw a little grass hut with a little frail man out sweeping his front yard of Uh, his dirt front yard he said oh yeah I said now the way I remember the story you turned in over there you said let's see if he can give us some water and we can rest there and we'll share the gospel with him and so they turned in there and through the interpreter Max began sharing the gospel with that little old man and that little old man took his cane and he sat down leaned on it and he listened attentively and when Max got done sharing the gospel he said that little man stood up little crippled crooked guy and he stood up and he had this little crooked crippled finger and he pointed that little finger in Max's face and through the interpreter he said for 40 years he said I'm 104 years old by the way and for 40 years I've waited for somebody to come and tell me about this one named Jesus and finally you're here they led him to the Lord Max told me last night, he said, Scott, that's not the end of the story, though. He said, when we left that little, we spent some time with him that day. And when we left his little grass hut and we got up on this hill overlooking his grass hut, he said, I turned and looked back at him and that little tiny figure, he was standing there waving at and he said, I turned and told my interpreter, he said, Yell out to him, I will see you in heaven. And the interpreter yelled that. And he said, That little man was waving. 104 years old. He said, All of a sudden, he dropped his cane. And he said, Scott, he did a little happy dance. <laughs> Uh. (laughs) have you been born again You may have heard countless sermons and Sunday school lessons on the necessity of the new birth But have you ever put them into practice? Have you come to the place in your life of acknowledging your sinfulness and your inability to save yourself? Have you trusted Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? I think one of the biggest lies that the devil tells us is simply being in church And hearing the gospel preached is enough in an of itself. It's not. You've got to be born again. You can listen to the claims of Jesus in Scripture. You can nod your head in agreement. And you can still be on your way to a devil's hell. Have you ever yielded your life To the Lordship of Christ. I didn't simply ask you have you walked an aisle and filled out a commitment card or even been baptized. Have you come to know the Lord? Dr. Billy Graham said on one occasion that he's convinced that 75% of all church members are lost. But if you've been born again you're a wise builder. You've put your life on the proper foundation who is Jesus Christ. And now the challenge continues to be for you to allow the Word of God to shape and transform your life. Allow it to bring correction and direction to your life every day. That's how you and I are wise builders. You see, a wise builder looks down the road and he realizes he realizes that a home has got to have a solid foundation if a house is going to stand it's got to have the right foundation it would be a lot easier and a lot faster to ignore the foundation and just start constructing any kind of edifice quickly but the wise builder realizes that the structure has got to rest upon something and what the structure rests upon has got to be solid it's got to be the right surface It continues to amaze me to see on TV sometimes these multi, multi, multi million dollar mansions on the coast of California and they have rains and mudslides and it shows this great old big house slides down that slope and crashes on the bottom and is broken into pieces. And then they just get the insurance money I guess and go and do it all over again. Haven't they learned anything? The wise builder builds on a solid foundation. The wise builder builds down and finds the rock and he lays the proper footings and he goes from there. It takes time, a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort, but in the long run, it'll be worth it. Folks, I couldn't believe back in 99 and 2000 when we built this building right here and then in 08 and 09 building the core. I could not believe how long they were taking on the foundation. Do you remember that? I mean, not only days and weeks went by, but it was months. And sometimes I would drive by and I would think, are, are they goofing Are they not doing anything? And they were working on the foundation. Getting the foundation right. Foundation work is tedious and it's not glamorous either. Nobody drives by and says, did you see that foundation? Did you see those footings? Man, those are some gorgeous footings. Nobody says that. But it's critical to the whole process. Otherwise, that building might collapse later. Then we come to the next kind of builder, the foolish builder. Verse 26 Incidentally, our word moron comes from the Greek word here rendered. Verse 26 says that everyone who hears the word of the Lord and does not put it into practice can be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Here's a guy who just wants to get the structure up. He wants to get the visible part of the house built. And so he just goes all out quickly He's not concerned about the foundation at all. He just starts putting block after block or brick after brick on top of one another. In Israel, in the countryside, they would have these things called wadis W A D I. A wadi is simply a creek bed or a dry river bed. And it looks fine. A wadi, uh, some builder might think, hey, I can just go into that wadi. That's a good place for a house. And there he starts putting down the brick. But all of a sudden the rainy season comes and then, uh uh-oh, he's in trouble. Here's a guy who's done that and he's not built the proper foundation. He's a foolish builder. Makes me think of a guy one time, true story that I knew a long time ago. Some of you in here know who I'm talking about from 30, 35 years ago. Sharp guy, believe it or not, what I'm going to tell you. Sharp guy, he was a banking executive. Sharp, sharp guy. But somebody had given him a complete roofing system and like attic trusses and all that for a big outbuilding. And somehow or another he thought he was going to was hang those rafters in a roofing system. He was going to tie it off in trees and stilts. And because all that was complete, he was just going to kind of hoist it up there and build that large outbuilding from the top down. It didn't work. Colossal failure This guy in the parable is probably proud of the fact That his house seems to be going up rather quickly He seems to be making wonderful progress Never mind that his house has a fatal flaw from the start Again, he's just in a hurry You know what? It amazes me today The number of people who say Preacher We don't have time for church anymore You don't understand my life. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. Are you kidding me? You're going to neglect the foundation? You're going to neglect the most important thing in your life and in your family? Now let's think about some other foundations people build upon today that are only sand. Some people have as their foundation in, in intuitionism. You know what that is. What's intuition? It's your feelings. Using your feelings as your guide. It's the old saying, if it feels good, just do it. Do you realize that there are people going through life and they're using their feelings to be their foundation? Now, thank God for feelings. Thank God for emotions. But they're not a reliable source of authority. You can't build your life on what you think or what you feel rather is truth. Just because I feel something, it may not necessarily be true. Every year when People Magazine comes out with the Sexiest Man Alive cover, Dr. Willis feels like they've cheated him and overlooked him. But folks, just because he feels that way, is it truth? And so the point is, you can't go through life using intuitionism as your guide. It's a sandy, shaky foundation. But amazingly, there are people doing that. They'll say things like, I feel like a loving God would never judge anybody. A loving God would never send anybody to hell. I feel like regardless everybody's going to make it to heaven one day. And each of those in each of those statements they've ignored the authority of God's word. Existentialism another sandy foundation. Believing one's experiences are the ultimate truth. Here again, experiences in life are important, but experience is not an infallible guide. Let's let's tie that into Father's Day a minute. Here's here's a man who who says, you know what? Father's Day or Dad's stink. You say, do what? Yeah, my experience growing up, they'll say, I had a terrible dad. According to their experience, they're judging all dads by that. Whereas we know that most dads are very loving and caring and provide for their children. But here's somebody using existential, they're using their experiences to be a guide. Others build their lives on rationalism, human reason and science is their God. If they can't explain it, it's not true to them. I've told you before, if I come in at dinner time and say, Connie, I don't understand how God grew those green beans. And because I don't understand how God grew those green beans, I'm not going to eat them. She'd say, well, Buster, you just starve then. <laughs> Still others trust in pragmatism. That's the idea that if something works and gets the job done, it's okay. In other words, it's the end result that you're after, not necessarily whether or not something is right or wrong. And so the pragmatist may say, if lying if lying gets me ahead, I'm going to lie. If cheating gets me ahead, I'm going to cheat. It works for me. Others buy into the lie of materialism Their whole life is built on what they can see and feel and touch They think this is all there is And so their life is consumed With collecting things, materialism, like the true story of the guy who died and had a shiny brand new Cadillac, wanted to be buried in it, so they dug a huge hole, they stuck his body in his new Cadillac with a crane, were lowering it into this humongous grave, and somebody on on the side was heard to say, now man, that's living, isn't it? All of these are foundations of sand. And folks, what's so sad is that many around us every day are building on one or more of those foundations. What's the point? Not all builders are the same. Third principle. Storms arrive and storms reveal. Look at verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Look at verse 27. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. The day of testing. Arrive for both builders That's so true to life Just like everybody is a builder Everybody also experiences trials Trials are a common part of human life It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your race You're going to face trials All you've got to do to face trial and tribulation in life Is simply live long enough you know James talks about that in James 1, doesn't it? When he says, consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you fall into divers' trials, the way the King James puts it. We just fall into trials. Where it's the same word used in the Greek text of that traveler on the road from, Jer- uh, from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Remember in the parable of the Good Samaritan who fell among thieves. Same word. We just fall into them. You didn't get up this morning looking for trials. You didn't say, God, give me some more of those. You just fall into them expect- unexpectedly. And James says they come in all different sizes and shapes. The Greek word is the word from which we get our work, from which our word polka dot comes from that root word. In other words, trials come in all different sizes and shapes and colors. We've had so many people in our congregation lately who, and not just old people. I'm talking about people in my generation and younger. They get that dreaded phone call from their doctor. You've got cancer. It may be cancer. It may be a divorce. It may be a child. Addicted to drugs. It might be a job loss, it might be bankruptcy, on and on I could go. Trials come in all different sizes and shapes and colors. There's trials that are all around us. Somebody wisely said on one occasion, if we could all just kind of come down front and put out a long table here and each one of us could stack all of our trials up and everybody could see what everybody else is facing, we would probably end up taking our own trials back. The presence or absence of trials is not an indicator of somebody's spirituality. Remember Job? Job didn't face trials because he was some old pagan man. He faced trials because he was righteous. God said so. Jesus describes trials here in a very graphic way He describes trials in terms of extreme weather calamities Rain on the roof, floods on the foundation, winds against the wall The, the house is literally being slammed You might even have a, a translation you're reading from that, that accurately communicates that The house is just being Bombarded, it's being slammed in all different directions. Tr- tr- uh, things are coming at it from all angles imaginable. Again, that's like life. We're tested in our faith, we're tested in our finances, we're tested in our families, and sometimes, as Hebrews 12 points out, God Himself might test us to humble us and teach us and discipline us. Other times, trials come. Just simply a part of life. We live in a fallen world where bad things happen to even people of faith. It's the kind of world we live in. But Jesus' point here is that storms reveal your foundation. Now, I want you to notice something here. Both houses looked a okay until the storms hit. As long as the sun was out and the breeze was gentle, everything looked fine. Life is easy as long as everything's going your way. Here are two men from the same church who both get up in the morning. They dress in suits and ties. They kiss their wife goodbye for the day. They jump in their cars. They head to work. They both stop at the same bojangles for a country ham and egg biscuit. They might even go to work and discuss yesterday's sermon. From the outside, both men look very similar. But then storms arise. And the storms are what reveal the quality of your life. And they reveal where you are resting your confidence. That's why some people turn to things of the world. Alcohol, drugs, anything to escape. Some people even turn to suicide to escape. Storms are like this gigantic spotlight that just shine down on life and tell you what that person is made of. And look at the different outcomes. The house on the sand collapses, and great was its fall. The house on the rock stands. Both of these houses, otherwise, again, look the same. Maybe even built in the same vicinity They probably look very much alike As houses in the first century tended to be When applied to people we see the same thing You look at different people and families And there is so much that's the same You come to church and you look at people on the pew next to you They look the same They have the same opportunity to hear They have many of the same trials as others around them But there can be Vast differences in their lives with different outcomes. And folks, let's not fail to see the real trial that Jesus is speaking of here. Scholars are pretty well agreed that when Jesus here at the end of verse 27 says, great was the fall of it, He's referring to that great eschatological trial. You know what that is? The end of the ages. The end of the ages. Here we are at the end of the age, the outcomes will not be the same Christians will be judged at the bema of seat of Christ But there's no fear of judgment Because as Romans 8, 1 says There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus Then there we are at the great white throne judgment The Bible says that that's such an awesome and a fearful sight that even the heavens and the earth flee away. The book of life is opened and the names of those without Christ are not found and they're cast into the lake of fire. They have suffered the ultimate collapse of their house and great is the fall of it. Again, what's contrasted here is not everybody's the same. Not everybody's the same kind of builder. Everybody may look the same on the outside, but they're not, and the outcome is not going to be the same. What is it that Jesus says will make all the difference in the world? What's the one defining element? As we said earlier, it's not only hearing, but acting on his word. Building your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and His words. Build your life on what God says about salvation. Then build the rest of your life on God's instructions for the Christian. If you'll do that, you won't be spared trials this side of heaven. But you will be spared that greatest trial of all. I want you to stop and think about some things today. First of all, again, realize that you are a builder. There is no way around that. You are a builder. Everybody in here, you're a builder. Every day of your life, you're a builder. The edifice of your life is going up. Your life is under construction. There is no way to avoid that. But what kind of builder are you? Are you a wise builder or are you a foolish builder? I want you to understand today that hearing and knowing God's word is a great privilege but it in no way guarantees that you are a wise builder. You being here today, great. Hey, listen, I'm glad you're here. I really am. I truly am glad you're here. But being here and listening to me preach God's word, you can be here every Sunday. It is no guarantee that you're saved. Have you come to Christ? Has your life been changed or Are you a new creation in Christ I hope this morning you can say Yes without a doubt That's great it really is Pray for those Who don't have that foundation You may have come to Christ And yet you're experiencing Some other trials and tribulation In your life You know what? Trust those over onto the Lord too. Ask Him to give you strength and wisdom and grace to bear up under those lesser trials. They're lesser trials, but they're very real trials some of you are going through. Ask God to give you the strength that you need. Father, we thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. It's no wonder we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Bible says that when they had heard Jesus' words, they were astonished at his teaching. But Lord, I think of those in the crowd that day, most perhaps who were astonished at his teaching, but they didn't follow Jesus. Lord, there may be those here today who say, you know what? I'm just astonished to go to my Sunday school class and listen to my Sunday school teacher. I just love it. I love coming into church. It doesn't matter if Pastor Scott's preaching, Dr. Willis, Kevin Seeger, Kevin Knight, a guest. I just love to hear God's Word preached. They might be astonished but might be lost lord speak to their hearts i pray that they'd come forward this morning and say pastor pray for me i need to be saved lord what other whatever other trials people are going through today help them help them and lord i pray that they'll be a witness to others out of the midst of those trials. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.